Let's talk about one another Christianity. This is the second to last lesson in this series. Uh, we're talking about love in deed and truth. That's taken directly from 1 John. Uh, we're talking, last week we talked about how we should think about one another. A couple weeks before that, we talked about the attitudes we should not have toward one another. Uh, the week before that, we talked about why we need one another. So we're trying to think about our togetherness, right? And so we're coming to uh, some practical things today. 1 John three sixteen through 18. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Now, a couple of things about this. He begins with the practical, right? He laid down his life for us, an action that was made, a thing that was done. Not just a thought, not just a feeling, but an actual tangible thing. And then he goes into talking about how we should do that. And he says two things. We should lay down our lives for the brothers, but then also on a... I see it's hard for me to say lesser note... Because in some ways, I think the consistent, dedicated, self-sacrificing life is harder than the laying down of your life for another person. Now, in some ways, you could think, and you could sort of make the argument either way, but when we think about heaven, and we think about the glory of heaven, and we want to go to heaven, and the one-time thing, I could make this sacrifice for another, and then I wouldn't have to suffer on this earth anymore, and I'd get to go be with the Lord, versus the... Day after day, consistent, continual, facing temptation, facing the world, and yet still consistently loving our brother. And I, could make, I think you could make the argument that either one of those is more difficult. And maybe it depends on your personality, right? I think a lot of it depends on your personality. For a lot of people, the consistent, dedicated action is hard, really hard. And if I could just make the one-time sacrifice and I'd be done with it, then I wouldn't have to think about it anymore and I could just move on. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Not just the way we think, not just the way we feel, not just the things we say, but in the things that we do. And so we're going to look at four things. Uh, Ironically, one of those things is going to be what we say. But we're going to look at four things, four practical ways to love today. How we love and de demonstrate our love for one another. And how we're unified. There's a couple of, well, we'll look at them. Number one, we show our love through service. As we're thinking about practical things that we should do for one another, the first one that we're going to look at is, is serving one another. And it's a basic concept, right? Again, we're thinking about uh, the way that Christ demonstrated his life, 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11. The end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, there's a lot of passages that start with above all, and they all say something slightly different. I guess the writers of the New Testament wanted to emphasize different things because it's hard to say which one is more important than the other. Keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. That without grumbling is an interesting qualifier there, right? We looked at that a couple of weeks ago. It's not enough just to do the thing. You've got to do it with the right attitude. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. 
as opposed to what? Well, there's a couple opposites there. We'll, we'll read the rest of this. As good stewards of God's varied grace, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Use it to serve one another. Instead of what? Well, there's a couple opposites. The first opposite is I could just not use it at all. I have this gift from God. He gives a couple examples here, speaking and serving. But we could think of the other gifts that are mentioned in the Bible. There's a lot of different spiritual gifts. And option one is I just don't use it. I don't exercise it. I don't use it. I don't practice it. I just don't use it at all. Of course, option two would be what? That I could use it for myself. Use it to benefit my life. Use it to make my life better. Use it to be all about me. Two things that he says. Use it, yes. Use the gifts that you have to serve one another instead of yourself. Now, I've got in the bulletin, if you, have the guided, if you do the guided devotionals, the passage about the foot, foot washing uh, in Jesus' example of service. Service flows out of what we talked about last week, right? The way that we consider one another and think about one another. If I'm thinking about you and loving you and putting you first, then of course I'm going to use my gifts, whatever they are, to serve you. Galatians 5, 13 through 15 for you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. The practical question would be what? How do I serve then? What does that mean? And we see it in the second underlined part, love your neighbor as yourself. Think about your life. What do you wish that other people would do for you? Just think about it for a minute. What sort of things do you, would you like really be encouraged by in your life if somebody helped you with or did it for you or served you in a particular way? And then the answer is quite clear, isn't it? Do that for someone else. It's not complicated when you think about your life, right? We all have these questions. What do I do to help other people? And it's so complicated because it's other people. But then when I think about my own life, it's not complicated at all. I know exactly what I want. I know exactly what would be beneficial for me. I know exactly what would be helpful and encouraging to me. Just do that for other people. The people in your life that you need to serve through love. Our love is demonstrated because we help and we act for the benefit of each other instead of just acting for our benefit. Number two, we are bonded through worship. There's a number, well, two specifically that we're going to look at. Uh, but this is true not just in the New Covenant. This was true in the Old Covenant. That worship is not just about us and God. It's just, it's not. If it was just about us and God, well, you could all stay home and we could do that, right? If, it, if all that mattered was my connection to God, I could just stay home and I, didn't, I wouldn't need to come here and I wouldn't need to be with the rest of you. And I, I could just worship God in the shower or... Even I could even have a dedicated sort of service at my, at my house. But God designed worship to not just connect us to him, but to connect us to each other as well. Let's look at a couple of passages here. Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. The second passage is almost identical. 
Ephesians 5.15, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. And, and when he says making the best use of the time, he's going to explain what that means, right? Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your hearts, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus. Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. There's a lot of things in these two passages, but we see almost identical ideas. Teaching and admonishing one another. Here, what? Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. If you feel unconnected to the church, it may be because you do not have the appropriate attitude about worship. That worship is not just about you and God. It is about you and God and your brothers and sisters. It is a thing that we do not just for him, but for us and for each other. Now, and it, not just the songs and hymns and spiritual songs. We, we have a number of things that we're doing, right? Uh, what we're doing right now, I'm teaching you guys, and we have the prayers, and we have the giving, and the giving should also be a part of this service. And what do we think about, at the end of the day, what? Submitting to one another out of the reverence for Christ. Do you come here to benefit your fellow Christians? When you woke up this morning, did you think, I wonder how I can help my fellow Christians worship today? Or was it just, I really hope Chris's message keeps me awake? Or, I really hope that so-and-so isn't there because I don't really want to talk to them? Or, I really hope we get out of here on time because I have a lunch reservation at wherever? Right? These are the, th I'm, I'm, it's a little funny, but these are the things we think about, Right? It's easy to make worship just about me instead of about God and about you. So yes, we serve one another. Second, we help and encourage one another through our worship. Come to worship intending to benefit your fellow Christians. And if you do so, then I guarantee you we will be benefited. I am benefited by your presence today. And I am benefited by your earnest singing. Maybe you're not the best singer. I don't care. I am encouraged because you sing. I am not encouraged because you have a world-class voice and can read all the notes. And in fact, sometimes I think we get too distracted by those things. Just sing. That's all I want. That's all God wants too, I think, right? Earnest, devoted worship. And when you do that, you'll be amazed at how other people tend to be doing that too because you've done it. And then it's a feedback loop, right? You do it because they're doing it and they do it because you do it. Number three, we grow stronger through encouragement. Now, some of the things that we've seen are ways to encourage. We encourage through serving one another. We also encourage through worship. But there's some more specific passages about encouragement. Hebrews 10, 23. I said we'd read this every week, and here we are. Uh, we actually have read 1 John 3 every week, too, I think. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. These two underlined passages, these are the things that go together, right? The encouraging and the stirring up. I, I've used this analogy before, maybe even in the, this series. I don't think I've used it in this series. I love the word stirring up, and this is how I always explain it. You get the Swiss Miss hot cocoa packets, 
and you put it in your hot water or your hot milk if that's what you want to do. And, you know, you stir it up and it's all nice and, and mixed and chocolatey and it's awesome and it's tasty. And then you got to do something else and you come back to your hot chocolate and what? It's all settled to the bottom, right? And suddenly it doesn't taste as good and the chocolate has started to sort of settle down at the bottom and it's not as nice. So what do you do? You stir it up again, right? That's what you're supposed to do, to stir it up, to get it all mixed up together again. And, and I think that's sort of similar to what we're talking about here. If we just sit and let, us, let each other sit and we don't meet together and we don't encourage one another and we're not participating together, it's very easy for us to just sort of settle. And I'm not serving. And I'm not worshiping. And I'm not doing the things that I should do. We need to stir one another up to keep each other active, to keep each other fresh, to keep each other on the right path. And what does he say specifically here? Stir up one another to love and good works. And one of the primary ways I do that is encouragement. How do I encourage? Hebrews 3.13, exhort one another every day. This word exhort's interesting. It's very similar to the word encourage, but it has a more active meaning, the idea of exhorting. Well, what I, one of the things I'm doing right now is I'm exhorting you. I am strongly encouraging you to do a particular thing, right? Exhort one another every day as long as it is called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin for we have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. What am I exhorting you to do in this passage? I'm exhorting you in two ways. One, do not be deceived by sin. Sin is bad, and we need to exhort one another to remain out of sin. But the other thing, what? Hold your original confidence firm to the end. I'm exhorting you not to forsake, not to be dragged down by doubt, not to, to abandon us. Because if we are alone, it's going to be harder to maintain our faith, isn't it? The passage, the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking who may, he may devour. The lion very rarely attacks the herd. The lion attacks the stragglers. I need to make sure that you're not a straggler. You need to make sure that I'm not a straggler. 1 Thessalonians 5, 11 through 15. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, uh, and we're going to see separate things that we do for each, right? Admonish the idle. Hey, you're not doing anything. You really need to be doing something. I, you know, and, and sometimes I think we need to do that, right? We see people who are just sort of idling in their faith. They're not really going anywhere. Hey, you need to do something. Here's a thing that you could do. Here's a way that you could serve. Encourage the faint-hearted. People who have been dragged down by either problems in their lives or they're struggling with doubt or things have come up and, and they're really struggling. And what do we do? Hey, you can do it. You can do it. We can do it together. We can help you with that. Be patient. Oh, I missed one. Help the weak. People who maybe don't know what they need to know. People who are not strong in the faith like they should be. Don't just berate them. Help them. Give them the things that they need to succeed, be it knowledge or strength or help or encouragement. There's a number of ways that we could help, right? Sometimes it's going to be correction too, which is why we need to admonish. But with all what? Be patient. We're going to come back to this idea of patience as we go through this. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. 
this last bit talking about this forgive the idea of repaying anyone evil for evil we'll come back to that but I want to focus on this last line seeking to do good to one another as opposed to what well if the opportunity to do to good if the opportunity to do good comes along I'll take advantage of it but I'm not really going to do anything to make it happen. I'm just going to be over here, and if somebody asks for help, that's great, I'll help them. But I'm just going to be over here and do my thing, and if it comes up, then great. No. Seek to do good. Look for, actively look for opportunities to do good. I guarantee you, in this assembly today, there are some who are idle. There are some who are faint-hearted. There are some who are weak. Maybe you're one of those three. Maybe you're not one of those three. If you're not one of those three, what do you need to do? Seek out those who are and do this for them. Admonish, encourage, or help. Ephesians 4, 29 through 32, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another just as God in Christ forgave you. In the context of this passage, what would grieve the Holy Spirit? If we had malice toward one another. If we slandered one another. If we had bitterness toward one another. That's the thing that would grieve the Holy Spirit. Because are we not his temple? Collectively, the body of Christ. Collectively, the beings in which the Holy Spirit dwells. So if we're biting and fighting and hurting one another, that's not just hurting us. That's going to grieve the Holy Spirit as well. So what do we do? Only speak as such for good for building up as fits the occasion. And as we see in the previous passage, right? Different speech fits different occasions. We understand that. Some people need to be corrected. Some people need to be encouraged. Some people need to be taught. That's fine. Figure out which is which. Analyze the situation. Don't just come up with sort of platitudes that you try to fit into every situation. People need grace in different ways based on where they are in their lives. Sometimes people need an encouraging word. Sometimes people need help. Sometimes people need service. Sometimes people need you to be there for them. Sometimes people need you to do something for them. A number of different things. Number four, and this is the last point. We remain together through patience and forgiveness. We come back to that idea, right? Be patient with them all. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Those two phrases. Guess what? And this is sort of going to be hard for some of you to hear, I know. I'm not perfect. Shocker right? You guys laughed a little too hard at that. Here's one that's maybe a little harder to accept. You're not perfect either. Nobody's laughing at that one. Guys, it's going to be inevitable because we are different people with different lives and different thinking habits and, and different ideas about things. Inevitable. There's going to be conflict. Even if we all behave the way we should all the time, I still think there'd be a danger of conflict because we have different lives and we come from different cultures and we have different goals and we're doing different things and inevitably there's going to be some conflict. You know what conflict is, right? I don't know if you guys remember from the, the, the class I taught about how to resolve conflict. Conflict is simply when somebody's goals are frustrated. 
When somebody wants something and they can't get it because of what somebody else did, well, that might happen just by the nature of life, not because we did anything wrong. But then on top of that, we do things wrong, right? We do sin and we do make mistakes and we do bad things. If we do not have patience and forgiveness, this group will disintegrate because I don't treat you well all the time and you don't treat me well all the time. We need to have patience and bear with one another. Let's read a couple of passages about this. Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. This is the passage we just read, right? But I'm going to emphasize a different thing. Let, uh, let's skip down. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence the way that this is constructed, right? The bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander and malice, a lot of times those come from what? I'm bitter at you because you mistreated me this way. I'm angry at you because you did this horrible thing. I slander you. Oh, did you hear what so-and-so did? That was so horrible. Can you believe that? They're such a terrible person. And that leads to malice, right? When I let those things simmer in my heart, the bitterness and the anger that I feel because you have wronged me in some way, if I let those things seethe in my heart, that is what is going to lead to malice and hatred. Instead of what? Being kind and tender-hearted and forgiving one another as God and Christ forgave you. The idea of being patient with one another Knowing that, yeah, you make mistakes, but if we're in this together and I know that you're striving to be better and I know that you're striving to do what God wants and I know that you're trying to work on your relationship with God just like I am, maybe I should be patient with you if I want you to be patient with me. Comes back to the golden rule again, right? Treat others the way that you want to be treated. I don't want you to write me off just because I made a mistake and I did a bad thing one time and now you're never going to like me ever again and you're never going to get past it. I, that, that's not nice for me. I don't like that. So why in the world would I do that to you? Because you made a mistake one time and I didn't like it and now I hate you forever. That's not a righteous attitude. Let's read another one. Colossians 3, 12 through 13. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. Compassionate how? In this context. I feel bad that you're struggling with sin like I am, and that motivates me to do what? Try to help you overcome your sin. And if I'm going to do that, I'm going to need to be kind and tender-hearted. Kindness, humility, meekness. What do humility and meekness have to do with anything? If I'm humble, I'm going to recognize, hey, you're not the only one that sins. I also am flawed and sinful. Meekness, what? I'm not seeking my good. I'm not seeking my benefit. I'm seeking God's benefit. And I'm never going to frame your sin as you did this thing to me. I'm going to frame it how? You sinned against God in X, Y, or Z ways. This is why God did not like that. This is what we need to do to correct your relationship with God. Not me. That's going to follow as a result of thinking about things from God's perspective. Patience, oh, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, you also must forgive. It's a little bit, not worrying is not the right word. 
frightening maybe, sobering perhaps, that small little word must. Not you should, not you might, you must forgive. Is that hard to do? Yeah, it's okay, you can admit it. Sometimes it's hard to forgive. It's not easy. It's not comfortable. But that doesn't mean it's any less of a necessity, right? Now, next week, because I can already hear the objections coming in people's heads, next week we're going to talk about the, and one of the reasons we're going to separate this out as its own lesson, the idea of holding one another accountable, because that's an important element of this, the idea that we hold one another to a righteous standard. So we're going to talk about that next week, how we hold one another to that standard. But at the end of the day, if you're not willing to let go of past wrongs, you are not going to be unified with the people in this room because everybody here will eventually wrong you if you're around them long enough. Now, you could avoid that altogether if you neglect to meet together, right? If you don't spend time with anyone, well, sure, maybe they won't wrong you. But if you spend enough time with people in this room, they are inevitably going to wrong you. Sorry, just the way it is. And if we cannot let go of that and forgive, we will never be unified the way that God wants us to be unified. Right? We just never will. We'll always be the simmering resentment and bitterness and wrath and malice. We aren't perfect. But if we practice these things, we can and will grow. As I said next week, we'll look at sort of a more, a more practical process by which reconciliation can happen as we think about how we hold one another accountable to righteousness. But let's reiterate again. Service, encouragement. Now, I've already forgotten my third point, whatever my third point was. It's gone now. Forgiveness was the fourth one. Somebody help me out. What was the third point? I don't even remember. Encour now, encouragement was the second one, I thought. Man, I'm so bad at this. Huh? Worship. Thank you. Somebody gave it to me. Hooray. Uh, man, if I can't remember, how do I expect you guys to remember? Um, service, worship, encouragement. That was just a test. I was just testing you. And forgiveness. <laughs> think about those things in your life this week. Or you could think about last week. How did you serve somebody else last week? Maybe you didn't. That's a problem. What could you do this week to serve another person? Worship, we just did. I hope that you had the right attitude in worship. We're going to have some more worship until Christ comes back. We'll continually do that, right? We'll continually worship, hopefully. Next week, think about how can you be encouraging to your fellow Christians in worship. Think about the encouragement, the things that we say to one another, the ways that we either admonish or help or exhort. Who's somebody that you could encourage this week? Somebody that you could maybe call or write a card or meet in person to give them that boost that they need. Maybe it's teaching. Maybe it's positive words. Maybe it's a little admonition. Maybe that needs to happen too, right? But think about somebody you could do that for this week. And then finally, forgiveness. Think about those people in your life that you're holding grudges against, especially the people in this congregation. It should be for everybody, but especially I want you to think about this congregation. If there's somebody in this congregation that you're holding something against, think about what that's doing to your relationship with God, what that's doing to this body as we strive to worship God together. If we practice these things, we will grow, I hope. 